The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. You're with Steve Malsberg on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. It's four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. on Monday night here on the East Coast of the United States. And you know what day and time it is wherever you are listening and watching. Uh, the Steve Mall listening to and watching the Steve Mallsberg show. Going to take a little getting used to, but I'll I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. Um, anyway, it was. I uh, hope you had a great weekend. I hope you had an extended Thanksgiving weekend and all that kind of stuff and Black Friday and whatever they call Monday. You know where you're supposed to spend. I think they they're aiming for ten billion dollars at least. I guess in the United States, uh, the reports I heard for online. Um, whatever they call Monday, <laughs> to continue the sales of Black Friday. So uh, it's nothing but um, buying, 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 I guess. Anyway, um, lots to talk about, lots to get to. We have a, a very special guest coming up at the bottom of the hour, and we're going to talk about the the outrage, the outrage of, of again, of, of um, uh, biological men playing in women's sports in college and, and beyond. And the reaction or lack of reaction from women's groups, that, that, that lack of reaction is also evident from women's groups uh, when it comes to uh, the, uh, the rapes uh, that took place on October 7th. And uh, we'll talk to uh, Taylor Silverman uh, mostly about uh, uh, trans, trans women or trans men uh, in sports. Uh, but I do want to play a soundbite uh, for her uh, from uh, The View, where Alyssa Farrah Griffin, former Trump administration official, uh, weighed in on this. And she's not the only one. Uh, the former CEO of Facebook weighed in on this. But women's groups, women's groups in this country are silent on that. They're silent on women's sports being ruined by, by, by biological men who come in and dominate, in some cases hurt women. I mean, physically hurt women, women's groups, nowhere to be found. What a joke they turned out to be. Well, some might have said they were always a joke, but what a joke they've turned out to be. All right. I want to start with uh, with something um, that the media, according to the Media Research Center, did not show you unless you watch some of the conservative networks. Otherwise, this never happened. And when it was reported on, it was said a mixture of cheers and booze. Which leads you to believe, no big deal. Watch this in a second. This is Donald Trump uh, walking on the field at halftime of the Clemson-South Carolina college football game in South Carolina. And he's with the governor of that state. Uh, just, just watch a little bit of what the networks could have shown their viewers if they wanted to be honest. But of course, they do not. Here is cut 304.
I'm sorry, mixture of cheers and booze. Of course, they didn't show this video because if they showed this video, the truth would have been out there. And you can't have imagine if Joe Biden, you know, to the best of his ability, walked out there. Could you imagine the reaction? My goodness. I mean, they treated him like a rock star, you know, and uh, we'll see. We got some news on uh, Nikki Haley and an now and and analysis say that one time slowly uh, by um, by Carl Rove on uh, the Iowa primary, the Iowa caucuses and what Trump is expected to do, what he might do, what he needs to do. So that's, that's going to be pretty interesting. Um, but first, I want to I want to let you guys all hear, um, you know, as you may or may not know, the uh, so-called uh, truce or whatever between Israel and Hamas was extended for two days so that prisoners, more prisoners could be released. I've said from the beginning, from the get go, that, look, it, it, to see to see these little girls and these little boys and and their mothers and, and the older women being released, it's it's heartwarming. You swell up. It's wonderful. But it's at the expense, possibly of Israel's ability to have the country live without Hamas, to certainly to have everybody move back into everything that was uh, um, um, evacuated in the uh, in the you know southern part of Israel um, because of the threat of Hamas. How could you have a country like that? How could those people live? How could those people live under that threat? Hamas has said they'll do it again and again and again. So what Israel is doing speaks to who they are, which, as you if you never heard me say this, they gave over a thousand prisoners in 2012 or 13 for one Israeli soldiers. One of those prisoners reportedly came back and masterminded the October 7th massacre. So while this looks good, it's heartwarming. It is. You can't you can't run a country that way. You can't fight a war that way. And you can't reward the hostage taking and encourage more hostage taking. And that's exactly what, in my view, Israel's doing. Now, to a lesser extent, the our national security advisor or or Joe Biden's national security advisor uh, said a similar thing. He was on. Um, where was he? He was on ABC this week with John Carl and uh, Jake Sullivan had this to say about Hamas and how they've benefited uh, from this. Here's cut number uh, 293. And if you look at the celebrations, we'll show it now uh, in the West Bank as the Palestinian prisoners were released. Some of the people celebrating were waving Hamas flags and chanting, the people want Hamas. Are you concerned that this deal has given a, a huge propaganda victory, a reward for Hamas for what they've done? Well, I can't deny that uh, that Hamas gained some benefits from this deal. One of them is the ability to refit and retool inside Gaza. Another is to try to use social media and other formats to generate some propaganda out of it. Uh, and these are difficult decisions that any Israeli prime minister has to make. But this Israeli prime minister made this decision because of the benefit that came with it, which is 50 innocent people coming out of Gaza to be reunited with their families. And there have been past instances where Hamas has gained 
some benefit for some time uh, for prisoner exchanges and then gone right back to the same kind of brutality and lack of care for Palestinian civilians that has exemplified its rule for the last 15 or more years. And so that often fades fairly quickly. Well, I don't know. Why? Who criticizes them? <laughs> who, who's, who criticizes them? But again, yeah, it's, it's glorious in and of itself to see the buses roll and the, the people get out and the kids run to their parents and, you know, and all that. Uh, but there's still a lot left behind. Reportedly, Hamas doesn't even know where some of the hostages are because other terrorist groups took them. I'm not sure how that happened. And, and there was a report on I-24 News that some uh, some people came along for the ride uh, with Hamas. They're not really Hamas. And they took the ho some hostages home, you know, to keep in the basement. Now, there was a nine-month-old baby taken. You haven't heard much about that nine-month-old baby at all. I pray the baby's alive. But maybe somebody wanted an, maybe somebody wanted a baby. I don't know. Where's the baby? How come the baby is not one of the first to be released? A baby. I don't know. Maybe they don't know where the baby is. Yeah, right. So anyway, so that's the story with that. Now, something very interesting happened. Elon Musk um, doesn't need a, a, uh, a bio read for him. Elon Musk got himself into a lot of trouble, as he's wont to do. And he retweeted an anti-Semitic tweet. And as a result of that and some other things, you had companies pulling off of X, uh, Apple, Disney, bunch of big, big time corporations pulled off. And he appeared to sanction uh, the anti-Semitic uh, tweet, obviously, by retweeting something like that's right or absolutely whatever he said. But he was in Israel over the weekend. And something very interesting well, a couple of very interesting things took place with uh, Elon Musk. And one of them, uh, I want you to, to, to see Elon Musk touring one of the uh, kibbutzim that uh, was attacked on October 7th. This is the um, Kafar Azah kibbutzim where many were killed and, and kidnapped and all that kind of stuff. So let's, let's watch um, 308. Them in order to breach doors or windows. And this is the insignia of the unit. Yes, sir. There were dozens of. Uh, okay. Now, afterward, he was interviewing uh, Benjamin Netanyahu on X. And it was very interesting, to say the least. 
So let's uh, give a, uh, a a listen and a watch to cut 309. It was jarring to see the scene of the massacre or one of the scenes of the massacres, um, as well as to see the short film afterwards uh, that uh, showed a, you know, more of, of uh, innocent people getting killed. It was troubling in that movie, especially to see the joy experienced by the people that were killing innocent civilians, including kids and you know babies and defenseless people, essentially. So, um, you know, it's it's one thing if obviously if if civilians die accidentally, um, but if it's another thing to revel in the joy of killing civilians, that's not, you know, that's frankly that's evil. I mean, once you and I haven't are shown where it all happened and are shown the video, the, 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 the documentary, if you will, or the video that um, reporters have been shown, diplomats have been shown from other countries, uh, our own uh, here in the United States, our own uh, defense officials and Pentagon officials and State Department officials have seen it. It, it humbles you as they've all been humbled after watching that and even Elon Musk and uh, here is uh, Netanyahu uh, speaking with Musk more of that here is cut 307 if you want peace destroy Hamas if you want security destroy Hamas if you want a better life for the Palestinians in Gaza who've been hijacked uh, by Hamas destroy Hamas uh, all of that is a precursor to the question that you asked you first have to get rid of the poisonous regime, uh, as you did in Germany, as you did in Japan yeah. uh, in World War II. These were two... There's no choice. There's no choice. Uh, so uh, that, that's this, a prerequisite. Yes. No but, but then look at what happened. I mean, what you had in Germany was denazification, and what you had in uh, Japan under uh, uh, Douglas MacArthur was a cultural uh, reformation. Mm -hmm. uh, and Japan that you visit today is so different from Japan of the 1930s. Yeah. Germany that you visit today is so different from Germany of the 1930s. Well, is that possible in the Arab world? And I categorically say, of course it is, because we've seen it already in two places. We've seen it in the Gulf states, and we see that when you visit Dubai or when you visit uh, Abu Dhabi uh, or when you visit Bahrain, you see something entirely different. Sure. There was, in fact, a cultural change we shall see. Now, something very interesting. If you recall, uh, when Israel started uh, its uh, land uh, incursion into uh, into Gaza, they cut everything off. They cut, you know, all the cell phones, power, communications, and and of course the media and the left, uh, you know, and and the world for the most part uh, went nuts as they always do. Um, but Musk last. Um, Last month, he proposed that a Star Starlink, which is his his baby, Starlink, that it be used to support communication links in the blackout, um, the enclave with uh, internationally recognized aid organizations. Okay, and this caused a problem. It caused more separation between himself and 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 Israel. However. Um, at the time, uh, Israeli communications minister Shlomo Akari objected, saying Hamas will use Starlink 
for terrorist activities, which, of course, they will. So on Monday, today, earlier today, um, Kerry said Israel and Musk had reached an agreement in principle whereby Starlink satellite, that those units could only be used and operated in Israel and Gaza with the approval of the um, the ministry of uh, uh, Israel's uh, communications minister, okay, with, with the Israel communications uh, minister approval. So it would take Israel's approval for Starlink to be used in Gaza. This is uh, an agreement reportedly reached between Elon Musk and um and 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 Israel. So that's at least something that Israel has uh you know has gained uh, aside from the hostages in uh, in in their dealings here with um with Elon Musk. You know that I say everything comes back to Seinfeld, right? Everything always comes back to Seinfeld. And I was interested, you know, you go through Instagram and things come up and blah blah blah. Um so I was interested to see this from Jason Alexander, who, of course, played George Costanza on uh, on Seinfeld. And uh, it, it was uh, very interesting about uh, one of the hostages. And I'll tell you what happened uh, to that hostage uh, after we hear from uh, from George Costanza, a.k.a. Jason Alexander, because to me, he's really George Costanza. He's only incidentally Jason Alexander, if you know what I mean. So here's cut number 300. Hi, I'm Jason Alexander. This is a picture of me <laughs> when I was nine years old. This is Ochab. He's nine. In fact, he celebrated his ninth birthday days ago as a hostage of Hamas. Today, I will be his voice. Hi, I'm Ochab. I'm nine years old. I'm a football player. I have two best friends, but I enjoy getting along with everyone and helping out, especially my soccer coach, Noam, when he needs help. I don't like to brag, but I'm really good at solving Rubik's Cubes. I wait every day to hug my father and to go back home. Please set me free. On behalf of Ohad, I am asking you, please, Please set him free now. Send him home. Bring him home. Well, uh, I, I'm not saying not saying there was any direct correlation, but uh, he the, the the little boy was uh, sent home. Uh, not not in the last batch, but I think the previous batch. And one of the first things he got was that Rubik's cube that he uh, is so good at uh, and loves so much. So he was uh, he was released. And look, that. That is one of the blessings of the agreement. You know, that's one of the blessings of the agreement. Uh, however, you're giving your enemy a chance to regroup, rearm, um, yeah, reorganize everything with, that you can imagine with re. And again, they're sending, Hamas is sending uh, a reportedly a lot of, because you could see it, people, I mean, I've seen it. Uh, people marching back towards where they were told to evacuate from to their old homes, which probably don't exist and will place them in danger, even more danger. And they're headed back there. Why? Hamas wants them to do that. So if Israel does you know, continue operations there, 
it'll look worse. I mean, they, they're sacrificing civilians. It's what they do. It's what they said they do. In their own words, according to one of their own leaders, we played it for you. Jake Tapper played it for you on CNN. So the point is, though, again, is that, yeah, there's a benefit. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, there's a short-term benefit, a long-term benefit, of course, for the people who are being reunited, the people who are being released. But your goal and Benjamin Netanyahu and the IDF, they keep saying this, that their goal is, and they say they will eradicate Hamas. They must eradicate Hamas. You know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. Once it's time for Israel to start again, and they if they do start again, you think the world objected the first time? Not only will the world object, but I believe Joe Biden will change on a dime. And, you know, it's going to be good luck Israel all on their own. And they could do it and they will do it, I hope, uh, eradicate Hamas. Uh, but, you know. Meanwhile, the U.S. keeps having uh, them, you know, keeps getting uh, uh, involved because uh, you have uh, uh, Iranian proxies trying to hijack and sabotage ships that are not not flying Israeli flags, but are ultimately owned by a company that's owned by an Israeli. And so the U.S. has come to the defense of a, a bunch of uh, alleged uh, hostage ship. Um, Pirates, so-called kidnappers, whatever they are, uh, were storming a ship in the U.S. Uh, Navy intervened along with another Navy, and I can't recall who, and then they ran away, but they got them. So it's, you know, it's constant, constant, or the uh, U.S. Uh, military facilities are being shot at or bombed or whatever, rockets flying, drones attack uh, in, in Iran and Syria, and it's just, it's just nonstop. So we'll see how this plays out. We'll see how this plays out. Again, you just can't. It, it never should have stopped. You never should have stopped. That's all I got to say. You never should have stopped because you, you have a country and millions and millions of people to worry about, not just, you know, 150 or 200. And again, we don't even know how many are alive. We don't know where some of them are. We don't know where any of them are. And maybe Hamas doesn't know where some of them are either. So that's going to not be good either. All right. So let us uh, take a break and we will come back. We'll also have some interesting comments from Richard Haas, uh, formerly the head of the uh, uh, Council on uh, Foreign Relations here in, in the United States. Um, interesting remarks, comments that I agree with on Ukraine, that it's time for the United States to say, hey, Forget about the land you lost. You're not getting it back. Let's talk about ending this. Okay? Let's talk about ending this right now. And boy, would that be a good thing. That would be a real good thing. But that's not going to fly with, with this government in the United States. The people would say yes, but the government would say no. Anyway, we'll talk about that and more. Taylor Silverman will join us uh, right here. See? So much ahead. So much excitement. Right here on uh, TNT Radio Vision. <laughs> My baby's back from the West Coast. <laughs> Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. <laughs> <laughs> so long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. 
Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those bees smell heavenly. Mm -hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay. Smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. I'm Cal Fire Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez. And normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, Remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. It sounds pretty good. It's it like, sounds real, it's dude. Not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome back. Um, if you ever wanted to, uh, learn how to skateboard uh have i got news for you because i told you about uh, taylor silverman um earlier and what we were going to talk about and the travesty that just continues to, to to perpetuate here uh in this country with uh biological males playing in women's sports the injuries that we've seen uh especially that horrific one on the uh field hockey uh um uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's a rink. It's not a really a rink. So I don't know what you call it on the grass nonetheless. Um, but she also has a, a, a new show that you could uh, tune into and that's about skateboarding. So joining us now is uh skateboarder, competitive skateboarder, Tara, uh, uh, Taylor Silverman and uh, the skateboarder who spoke up uh, against trans women in female sports. Taylor, welcome back. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. It's been a while. So first, first, let's talk a little bit about. Tell us about your your show and and uh, how people could watch it and and what they'll uh, what they'll learn from it. Uh, so we just launched launched a new show at Timcast. It's called Boonies HQ on YouTube, and we talked about it on the last episode of Timcast Culture War. If you want to check that out, myself, Richie Jackson, and our filmer Dennis of Chum Media all got together and talked about how wokeness has taken over skateboarding, and we are creating counterculture because of that. But it's a lot of fun. We're having out different guests, not just skateboarders. We want to bring together all different disciplines like scootering and rollerblading, BMX, whatever it may be to skate, to talk and to do other fun stuff. Excellent. Excellent. So how has wokeness overtaken 
skateboarding. I mean, I got a bunch of stories here from from you and I, uh, you know, collaborating on uh, putting together a bunch of stories. And Martina Navratilova's weighed in, and we got soccer, and we've got fencing, and we've got that. How is how is wokeness infiltrated skateboarding? Well, the the way it impacted me was that I was competing in women's skateboarding contests, and on three separate occasions, I competed against male skateboarders. And this was uh, all three times; it was a different guy. And the last two times it happened, I actually placed second. I was displaced from what would have been a first place. And finally, after the third time, I I couldn't take it anymore. I knew I needed to speak up. So I reached out to Red Bull, who had organized that contest circuit, and expressed my concerns, told them that this was clearly unfair, and I'd really like to talk to them about a better way to move forward. And they completely ignored me. So I went ahead and posted on social media. And a lot of people saw it and shared it. And I ended up getting a call from Tim Poole, who is also a skateboarder. And he said, we want to work on this project out here. We'd love for you to come join us. And it's been in the works for a while, but it's finally come together. And we've got a few amazing people on the team. So it's all it's all forward from here. But it's it's Excellent. not just women's it's not just women's skateboarding contests. You see like skaters who are being um, platformed and celebrated, not for their skateboarding, but for their identity. And it's, it's taking away from people who really deserve to have these sponsorships and ads and make money in skateboarding. But you see ads where somebody's doing things that are not, you know, these crazy awesome tricks that you want to see. You're just seeing them celebrated because it's a man in a dress, essentially. So, so let me let me skip ahead a little bit here. When are we going to see then? Uh, when are we going to see? And it's funny, Megan Rapino kind of waited till her career was over before she uh, signed off on and sanctioned uh, uh, a, a biological man playing uh, playing women's soccer. But when when are we going to see a biological man, you know, c- come out and play in the, the, the WNBA or women's college basketball? Or, or, or when are we going to see uh, uh, a biological man play against women in tennis and really, you know, screw up the pot? Uh, maybe well, that's we, what we it have seen. Before. We saw yeah. Renee Richards back in the 70s do this in that's tennis. That's true. We have that's seen, true. We've seen this in the NCAA in college sports. We saw Leah Thomas, who Riley Gaines spoke out about. Well, the when swimmer, yeah. She, yeah. Yep. And we've seen this in high school sports. We've seen injuries. We've seen so many girls coming together and speaking out. We've even seen lawsuits about this. And people keep turning the other way or thinking to themselves, I know this is wrong, but I don't really want to be the one to draw attention to myself and speak out. But people have had enough. And really, we, we don't need to see any more of it. We've seen enough. One time is too many, and we are far past that. But I was thinking, and maybe I didn't make myself clear. I mean, like a high pro, you're right, Renee Richards. But Renee Richards wasn't as far as I could remember, I think of a skinny, you know, person I'm, I'm talking, and I don't know how, how, how much Brene Richards then dominated. I'm talking about somebody who would walk onto the pro tour and I don't know how the pro tour would react, but let's say they accept them and just dominate and blow away the women uh, or on play in the WNBA. And I don't know how that league would, would react either, but it, let's say they let them on and just dominated. I, I don't know if, if, if public opinion or, or the opinion of the, the, the people who say their favorite all of a sudden when it affects them and that high profile, if they would still be in favor of it, I wonder. 
Yeah, I, I think we, we have seen some cases, though, like even um, have you seen weightlifting? That's a really easy one to see yes. the difference. Yes. in. And yes. I think that the, the case with NCAA swimming with Leah Thomas really made people aware of what was going on. Oh, absolutely. This, yeah. In a, in a sport like skateboarding, especially, this is actually pretty common. In fact, in a lot of these more male dominated, independently organized sports, not just skateboarding, but cycling, running, disc golf. This is extremely common. People just don't know about it. And then they think it's a, a one-time issue. But for the girls going through it, we know that, that it keeps happening. It keeps getting worse. And it really takes us speaking up for things to change. And fortunately, in some sports, things have actually changed because girls have been brave enough to speak up. And I hate that it's considered brave to say something that is common sense, but people are scared of cancel culture. They're scared of backlash. They're scared of being banned from participating in the thing that they love to do. And the people who are the detractors here are vicious. They will come after you. You get death threats. They try to get you fired from your job. They try to destroy your livelihood in every way they can. It's insane. So I understand why people are afraid. But we have to stop being afraid of saying something that is so simple. Silverman, and you are you are one of the the, the brave ones who have who have spoken up and spoken out. And you know there are three stories. Um, one of them involves a high school of volleyball of, of players um, speaking out on on this issue. Jujitsu, um, where where uh, they've banned trans athletes from competing against women after complaints from female fighters and the field hockey that we talked about the the accent where a girl got her her teeth knocked out from a shot from a uh, a male, biological male who was playing um i mean it just it let me ask you this and and this goes to what you were talking about a little bit before the women's groups the women now martina navratilova is speaking out but you don't hear from many, at least I'm not aware. Do you hear from many other former female or current female superstars uh, in, in any sports about this? If anything, they're they're supporting um, the, the, the trans uh, playing in, uh, in in sports. Where is where are the women's groups? Where are the women's libbers? Where are the equal rights amendment people? Where where are all these groups that I grew up with, you know, and I mocked? For many times, justifiably so over the years, and now they're proving me right because they are nowhere to be found on this issue. It, it is really disappointing to see how many people are staying silent or taking an absolutely insane stance of actually defending men who want to participate in women's sports in a competitive way. But there are a lot of women speaking up. And one thing that I've noticed that's really cool about this issue is I'll go to an event where there's a lineup of speakers and there will be a woman who's conservative. There'll be a woman who's like a, rad, a radical feminist. There'll be women who are Democrat and they're all standing together, speaking alongside each other, despite not agreeing on all issues, but everybody can agree on this one. And that to me says this, this shouldn't be a political issue. This is an issue that is just common sense. And with Martina, her story is really interesting because she, well, she's a tennis legend, but she also was coached by Renee Richards, who is the trans-identified male player who was competing in tennis professionally with women in the 70s. And Martinez talked about in interviews how Renee Richards will even say that I shouldn't have been able to do that today. That the, yeah. the stance on it has actually changed. And 
we've seen, I think it almost is one of those things that had to get worse before it gets better. Because when you don't know what's happening, you know, you don't have any context to go by. But some of these major cases, like, like I said, Riley Gaines speaking up about Leah Thomas. And when Joe Rogan started talking about this happening in MMA with Fallon Fox, who was absolutely destroying women, literally breaking women's skulls, people started to realize that this is crazy. And how is this even happening? How is something that is an actual South Park skit happening in real life and people are going along with it? But it is crazy to see like uh, Megan Rapinoe, like actually supporting this. And it does feel a bit like she's pulling the ladder up behind her because she didn't have to deal with this in her career and she won't have to deal with it ever. But the girls who young girls, girls in high school, they're having to deal with this. So while she's not facing the consequences of it at all, these girls are and she's actually not able to speak up for them so they have the same opportunities that she did and it's really sad to see and i I don't want to see that no and that's what i was alluding to with megan uh uh, you call rapino and you're probably right in the pronunciation i call her rapino i'm not sure Um, (laughs) i read it and i I gotta tell you i i I thought it was poetic justice i don't want to ever see anybody get hurt but when she had to leave just minutes into her final game a couple of weeks ago and then had the audacity to say, uh, I don't believe in God. And this proves I'm paraphrasing and this proves he doesn't exist because she got hurt and wasn't allowed to go out the way she wanted to. It just it just sums it all up. And 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 you're, you're right. She is pulling up the ladder because she didn't have to face uh, biological men. And now that she's gone, she's saying, oh, yeah, bring them on. Sure. Absolutely. But I do want to I do want to kind of tie this in a little bit. Um, if you don't mind, um, to something else that women, uh, women's groups have stayed silent on. And you have the former CEO of Facebook putting out a video calling for uh, women's groups to, 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 to speak out against rape as a form of war and, and what happened uh, in, in Israel. And uh, also uh, Alyssa Farah Griffin, who's a regular on The View and on CNN, former Trump administration official who has really no use for Trump anymore. Uh, she was on The View today, and she also weighed in on this. Just, just listen to, uh, to cut number 305. One thing I just want to say before I pass the ball is I am still devastated. We're two months since this war has been underway by the silence from women's group in this country about the rape being used as an act of war in this attack. The fact that sexual violence was used against Israeli women in the major women's groups in this country have not come out and denounced it. This weekend, Sheryl Sandberg put out a gripping video calling for it. That violates every rule of of warfare. It is the height of immorality and the fact that the United Nations uh, entity for gender equality and women empowerment has been silent. The UN Committee on Elimination of Discrimination Against Women has been silent. And the international Me Too movement has Perha- said it. Perhaps the reason they've been silenced is for the same reason that you just described. They don't want to exacerbate. Well, they don't want to exacerbate. You know, listen, I, I, I know that this is really hard for people to sit still with. Yeah. So right now, we're glad people are coming out. And that's what we're going to keep talking about because we want to encourage, you know, the, the bottom line truly is this. You don't have a choice. You have to end this. All right. Forget forget Whoopi. She, next to Joy Behar, she's the dumbest woman on television. Um, yeah, but, the, the but women Alyssa, of The View always have the greatest takes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but, but Alyssa Farrah Griffin, to her credit, again, consistent with what we were talking about, much more... 
much more serious, of course, um, and, and much more, although the trans in women's sports is very serious, but rape is, is on another plateau. And again, Absolutely. it's the same groups that, that don't, that will, that just will not speak out. What, what do you believe has, has happened to the, the women's movement as it, as it used to be? It's, it's horrifying to see them com- completely stay silent. And I think the silence speaks volumes that they, they dehumanize Israelis as if they don't matter, as if these women who are victims don't matter. And I, I, it's hard to not see the anti-Semitism drives this. I, have, I can't not make that connection. And I've, I've witnessed it this whole time. I mean, when I first spoke up, I received hundreds, probably thousands of comments that were just blatant anti-Semitism and slurs. And I think that on the left, anti-Semitism has become like mainstream. And it's become this popular view that Jews are bad, that Israel is bad, or as they say, Zionists, because that's their PC word for it. But it is wild to see these groups that are supposed to take a stand for women, women's safety and issues like rape, which is horrific, completely just turn the other way and ignore what's happening in Israel or what just happened in Israel in October. But um, silence speaks very loud and clear. So yeah. I think yeah, they, no, they, it's it, a dehumanization of the victims. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, Taylor, tell us, um, tell us uh, again where people could see your show. The the show is Boonies HQ on YouTube. Boonies and, HQ. Um, so I, and you can follow me on Twitter, which is TM Silverman, and I'll be posting about the new show on there as well. Excellent. Taylor, I hope you have uh, a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, uh, holiday season with uh, your loved ones and uh, look forward to uh, the next time we speak. Uh, again, I admire the heck out of you. You're so brave, along with others who are speaking up. Um, and good luck and anything we could do for you as far as uh, helping to make uh, the sports world right and fair and decent again, you just uh, let, let us know. Thank you. I appreciate you continuously covering these issues because we, we need more voices speaking up about it. And thank you for having me again. I hope you guys all have a good holiday. Thank you. Thanks, Taylor. Take care. Taylor Silverman, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Steve Malsberg Show. OK, we have one final segment left in the hour. I only get to say that five times a week, and that's one already. That means that that leaves four. I went to school. Uh, (laughs) Come right back. Steve Malzberg right here on TNT Radio Vision. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The biggest weather news is what is about to happen in Europe. I saw another one of those pictures of Greta Thunberg protesting today. I guess today is like week 300 or something of the climate strike where kids are allowed to be truant and uh, you know to protest climate but she was all bundled up and i was like well wait a minute looks awfully cold over there and uh were there fossil fuels used in the making of those clothes that you have on but i want to get serious about this the fact that we are getting such a cold blast that is coming in and this was telegraphed with those big storms and the reason you see what's going on in the weather today is because all the weathermen start screaming and yelling about climate change instead of understanding the same thing happened in 2009 
and they went into the deep freeze over there. But it's a serious situation. You know why? Well, first of all, the implications of that is that the United States is going to get very cold. Now, it's cold right now, but I'm talking about what could be really cold weather, severe cold, in the month of January. Because there's probably going to be a lot of snow in the United States during the month of December, especially after the 20th. So what we saw in 2009, 2010 was Europe got it in 2009 in December. And then the U.S. had their famous snowmageddon. And that occurred later in January and February. It'd be a little bit earlier this year, probably, looking at the overall pattern. But think about this. You're going to get that grid in Europe tested now. And especially Germany. Germany looks like ground zero for the worst weather, the most snow, it's going to be a little bit colder relative to averages up where Greta lives. But Germany is going to be in bad shape here in the next 10 to 20 days. But again, then you have to worry about the rest of the winter. You see what I'm saying? So we're going to have some things push come to shove, so to speak, coming up here over the next couple of weeks. And in fact, the next couple of months, because unlike last winter, I don't think this is backing off this year. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. On a virtual road, you can test the limits of your driving ability to see how fast you can go under the most extreme conditions, like when it's dark, when the weather's bad, or when the unexpected happens. The higher the speed, the harder the impact. But driving isn't a game or a race. When you're on the road, just 10 miles per hour over the limit can mean the difference between life and death. You're responsible for people's lives and your own. Slow down and save lives. This is the Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome back. Uh, remember to uh, follow me on Twitter at Steve M. Talk, Facebook.com slash Steve M. Talk, Instagram Steve M. Talk. Email me at um, Steve Malzberg at TNT Radio live and i want to i want to go to the uh the the remarks uh from richard haas former head of the uh council on on uh, foreign relations here in the united states uh talking about uh, with farid zakaria uh or zakaria on uh, cnn on sunday talking about uh ukraine and how he believes there needs to be a shift in strategy and he believes that the u.s needs to um make that clear to the uh, Ukrainian government that there needs to be a shift in strategy. Very interesting. I don't think it'll go anywhere, unfortunately, but here it is. Uh, here is uh, cut 294. The idea is that Ukraine is on a course, hopefully, to liberate the 20% of its territory that Russia occupies. The problem for Reid is there's very little, if any, evidence that it's going to be able to achieve that. And I worry that Western American Europe European support for Ukraine will, will begin to fade. It's already happening. I worry about the cost to Ukraine. So what I am arguing that is that Ukraine ought to switch its strategy, not give up on its long-term goals of getting back what's rightfully theirs, but to focus on defending what it has on the 80%, making sure Russia cannot succeed in eliminating Ukraine, which is what it set out to do nearly two years ago. This would allow Ukraine to rebuild it would reduce the defense requirements uh, from the United States and, and Europe. So I actually think it needs to re recast its military strategy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I only wish he was reading somebody's talking points from the administration, but I know better than that. I think they're going to stay in it as long as they possibly can. If Trump becomes president, I think it'll end. 
I think Trump will say to Putin, I'm sorry, to uh, to uh, Zelensky, look, the, the 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 endless aid brigade, if you will, uh, is over. The unaccountable uh, money uh, is over. And this war has to be over enough. You know, how long is it going to go on and how long are we going to tempt fate that accidentally or on purpose, a NATO country won't become involved or get hit or respond or something will happen and we'll have World War Three. Is this what we want to have World War Three over this? I don't think so. So anyway, uh, it would be good if it could happen this way. I just don't see it happen uh, happening this way with uh, with the Democrats and, and some Republicans. I don't think Nikki Haley would would acquiesce to uh, Richard Haas's uh, uh, analysis. Not by a long shot. Here's one more from uh, Richard Haas on CNN with uh, Fareed Zakaria. Here's cut uh, 295. Anytime in foreign policy, there's a gap between your means and your ends. You run into trouble. The ends are, are laudable. They're just too ambitious right now. So I think Ukraine has to dial back in the United States, just like we need to have some difficult conversations with Israel about what it's doing or not doing militarily and politically. I think the time has come for the United States to have some awkward but necessary conversations with Ukraine to basically say, we want you to survive. Let's recast your strategy. We will give you security assurances, but we have to put on the back burner your long term goal of getting back all of your territory. Not going to happen. And uh, and equating the Ukrainian situation with uh, with Israel is what Biden did from the very moment he gave that speech after coming back from Israel. If you recall, Hamas was Putin. Putin was Hamas. Ukraine was Israel. Israel was Ukraine. Meanwhile, none of the aid has gotten through, um, which it is what it is. Um, I want you to also hear tonight. I mentioned Karl Rove with his analysis on the inevitability, uh, perceived inevitability of Donald Trump being the nominee, the Republican nominee. Now, I've bought into that, barring some, you know, catastrophic, uh, unforeseen circumstance, uh, health-wise or, or or something along those lines, or the Supreme Court deciding under the 14th Amendment that he can't be on the ballot, which that would never happen. Even lower courts are saying, no way. Um so Iowa, 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 Iowa. We keep hearing hearing about Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. But Nikki Haley's way, 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 way behind Trump, except if she could pull off an upset, according to Carl Rove, uh, who was speaking on Fox, and he had a chart. I think you'll see the chart. Get ready for the chart, the Rove chart. And uh, here is uh, cut two ninety six. Let's look at the scenarios for Iowa. The first, the first one is Trump wins. Iowa, and he's got more than 50% of the vote. If that's the case against this field, it's going to be very problematic from then on. But I don't think that's likely. He's polling it in the Iowa poll at 43. And of that 43, 29 of the 43 say, my mind is made up, I'm for Trump. But 14 say, I'm for Trump, but I'm open to voting for somebody else. 
more likely is Trump comes in first and but under 50 percent and and with a strong second. If there's somebody who comes out of the pack and emerges as a strong, a strong second, as Gary Hart did in 1984 on the Democratic side, then we got a horse race. Uh, I think that's the most likely outcome. But we could have Trump first, but way under 50 and two strong second place finishers. DeSantis and Haley doing really well and maybe at the mid 20s each and and Trump uh, ahead of them, but but in the but in the high 30s. And then this I don't think happens that Trump loses Iowa outright. Yeah, that that's not going to happen. And even if Trump finished under 50 percent and you had a strong second place finisher, finisher I, I, I don't know. But the next question I think uh, he's uh, Carl Rove is going to weigh in on is uh, what about DeSantis and what about <laughs> Chris Christie? Really? I mean, you got to laugh when you think of Chris Christie. A buffoon, a big buffoon. And I left a word out because I'm decent. Uh, you could insert as you please. Here is cut to 297. Iowa is do or die. He's putting a lot of effort there. He has the governor, the popular governor, Kim Reynolds. He won the, the support of, uh, of of leader in the evangelical community, Vander Plaats. Uh, right. And and yeah, he's got to he's got to run. If he comes in third in Iowa, it's very problematic for him because it, it doesn't get better for him in the next two set of contests. Is there a clear path for Chris Christie? <laughs> Well, he's not playing in Iowa. He's playing in New Hampshire where he's running third. The message of, you know, I'm against Trump it helps him in New Hampshire because New Hampshire allows independents to come in and vote in the Republican primary. And a lot of them are going to use the opportunity. A number of them are going to use the opportunity to express their displeasure with the former president. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a long shot uh, and it's going to be tough. Is there a path for Chris Christie? Sure, there's a path. You put food on the table and get out of the way. That's the path for Chris Christie. But I'm bump. See, I was kind before. I left out a word that would go along with eating a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of food. Uh, but I couldn't resist this time. Is there a path for Chris Christie? It better be a big one. But I'm bump. That's two. I could think of more. <laughs> oh, Chris Christie. You know. I, uh, since I've been privileged to be on this TNT mic, I've played for you guys a couple of times. Chris Christie's appearance on Saturday Night Live um, back uh, when uh, Superstorm Sandy hit Jersey three weeks after he made a fool of himself and talked about people dying in a joking manner when people died three weeks earlier in New Jersey by, because of Superstorm Sandy. I think I'm going to bring it back and play the bites again for you so you could see it. Because it adds something when you could see this dumb buffoon. Um, incomprehensible how anybody could be so so out of touch. So, 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 you know, I, I, I can't even I can't even you're the governor of a state. People just died and you're there clowning around about the storm and about everything dies, baby. That's a fact. But everything dies, baby. One day comes back. He's quoting Bruce Springsteen. When people just died, you got to see it. I Next week, maybe, or this week, we'll, we'll pull it out. Okay, uh, <clears throat> we're at the end. Jason Olborn is next. You know that. Um, I'm Steve Malsberg. We'll do it again, God willing, tomorrow, same time, same place. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, right here on TNT Radio Vision. <laughs> <laughs>